we look out for each other. If they go on vacation, I watch the property. If I'm on vacation, they watch my property. Um, his wife, I told you she's a little crazy. She almost shot the cable guy one day. <laughs> That's hilarious. Had uh, the cable guy coming out to install internet, and, and his vehicle was unmarked. So it was just a solid white van. Okay, no that is a little sus. Yeah. So uh, I done talked to him. He was out walking around looking at where he was going to run the line at. And uh, I hear screaming. I'm inside the house. And I hear her screaming. I hear him yelling. And I'm like, what in the world is going on out there? And I walk outside, and she's got a forty-five revolver waving around in the air. Who do you think you are? Why the F are you over there? What business you got on that property? And I come running out. Whoa, it's okay. It's okay. It's the cable guy. <laughs> Poor dude. Poor dude. Was so pale. Like, he just knew he was about to die. Inside of the city, the people are crazy. Out of their minds, they ain't got a clue. We gone away, headed west for Montana. Left family and friends, all I got now is you. We both got new jobs, a host and a homestead, thinking this was the life. All that there'd be After our firstborn You had to stay home That's when the work Got in the way for me Well I started Farm hop life You'll come to your farm To help and to wander Me and the family A truck and an RV Send us a message and there will be. This is the Farm Hop Life podcast, a traveling homestead family. I'm Matt DeRosier. Tonight, my guest is Joseph Smith of Smith Homestead in Mississippi. He's been homesteading for 11 years, two years full time. He's a homeschooler, market vendor, stay at home dad, married seven years and has three kids small space homesteading expert and intensive gardening expert. How's it going tonight? Good. How you doing? Good, man. I'm glad we could finally reschedule this since uh, last month uh, your power went out and um, it seems like your power's going to go out again. So <laughs> that's <laughs> why you're on got your a plan this time. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, so it's kind of funny how we came across each other. I I was on TikTok and I was like, just adding like homestead people on TikTok and following their stuff. And it's like, all right, homestead Padre. Cool. Cool. And like, saw a couple of your videos, like right on. And then all of a sudden you showed up like somewhere else in one of my other social medias and then like somewhere else. And then another spot. And then in our, like this telegram chat that we're both in, I'm like, who is this guy? Like, why is all of a sudden he's in my space? Uh, it was just kind of funny that just, you just showed up, uh, in every, everything I have. So, uh, I guess I was meant to talk to you. Yeah, because uh, um, when you showed up in the Telegram group, I was like, man, that logo looks so familiar. Because uh, <laughs> I'd, I'd already been following you on TikTok for a little while. And then uh, we talked a little bit. And ha actually how I put it together was you messaged me on TikTok. And I thought I was on the, the Telegram messenger. And then uh, in responding to you, I realized, oh, I'm on, I'm on TikTok 
at me. I've never taught them anything <laughs> like messages. So that's when it, it all dawned to me. I was like, oh, this is the guy that, that just came in the Telegram group. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just kind of funny um, how that came together. So you have a crazy story. And uh, also judging by your recent uh, – your, your your throwback selfies that you posted on Twitter recently, uh, definitely interesting history <laughs> that we kind of got into a little bit, uh, just back and forth between you and I. Um, so take take me back a little bit. Um, how'd you get started homesteading? Um, it, it really goes back to uh, 2004 when I got discharged from the army. Um, I came. Uh, they flew me into New Orleans, which is uh, a couple hours away from where I was going to be living at. Uh, I had somebody come pick me up at the airport. Within a month, um, I was actually homeless. Couldn't find a job anywhere. And um, I was living on the streets in Biloxi, Mississippi, down on the Gulf Coast, if anybody knows. Um, sleeping on the beach, uh, sleeping under piers. Had a job at a gas station that uh, paid minimum wage. And uh, that that's kind of a lift up, I guess. But uh, at this point, you know, I was when I finally got that job, I was eating one meal a week, maybe two meals a week. And um, they allowed you to charge, and uh, they would take that charge out of your paycheck. So I was I was literally just eating gas station food and having half my paycheck subtract uh, subtracted. So that didn't really um, get me too far. Lived like that for about a year, um, still sleeping under piers, sleeping in the uh, bathrooms at the beach, anywhere. If it was pretty, if it was in the summertime, you know, I slept out on the sand. Uh, no big deal. But uh, during winter, during rough weather, it could be tough to find a shelter to sleep in at the, at the Gulf of Mexico. So fast forward about a year, um, really it was uh, – my uncle had been trying to find me for, for months and uh, he finally got in touch with me through my dad mm. and uh, he called me or I called him by his request. And he was like, um, I, I can't, I can't let you live like that no more. Your grandma said you can come stay with her. And I said, okay, I'm tired of living like this too. And um, he, he was a truck driver, West coast truck driver. Uh, he swapped loads in Texas uh, with a guy. And uh, which took him to Florida, which took him right past where I was at. So I made my way to a truck stop. He picked me up in a truck and uh, I rode with him to Tampa, Florida, Jackson, Florida, back up to North Carolina, where I was born and raised. And uh, stayed with my grandmother uh, for about two months and uh, got a job driving a delivery truck for Best Buy. Bought a car, got an apartment and, and got back on my feet from there. Dang. So uh, that was 2005. I, I left here a month before Katrina hit. Oh, wow. I, I would have been sleeping in a public bathroom at the beach probably when that hurricane made landfall. Um, so my uncle saved my life. Dang, dude. But, um, Glad you're here. Holy smokes. Yeah. Um, so fast forward a few years doing my thing with there um got into the tattoo world that's what you was talking about some of my throwback pictures all metaled up covered in tattoos i was a professional tattoo artist for two years two and a half years 
Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah Those are style. lifestyle. All, uh, my style was old school. I, I like the uh, like the Sailor Jerry type Bold stuff from, from the 60s, 70s. Yeah. Sure. And uh, I did, uh, when I got out of it, I was actually doing a lot list work. It was just all work whatsoever. I was getting into that. And uh, I was a professional piercer. You name it, I have pierced it. And, um, <laughs> so during that lifestyle of uh, drugs and women and alcohol, and I, I kind of got burned out on that. Sure, sure. About two years, two and a half years. Went and got a regular job. And uh, one thing through all of this, right, that that always stuck with me was when I was homeless and how tough it was to to find a meal. I am, uh, I guess I'm admitting to a crime here. I have scammed McDonald's out of food before. I would go through the trash can and find receipts that people had thrown away. And go yeah. into the store complaining about my food being wrong. And I give them the receipt and they would, they would remake the order for me. And I've uh, seen that I, I in didn't a movie. That. Oh, see, I'm not original. I thought I was original with that. <laughs> but uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a skate uh, movie called Grind, if anyone cares. I've never seen it. I got to check it out. But they, uh, That's all right. I, I, didn't do, I didn't do that often. I always felt really guilty about it, you know. Um, I went sure. to the, the Catholic diocese. They would feed you, but they wanted to give you food. And uh, I went one time, and they, they wanted to give me canned food and a big frozen turkey. And I'm like, unless I could cook this over a bonfire on the beach, you know, there's nothing I can do with this turkey. So, uh, but uh, that's funny. After after coming out of homelessness, through everything I went through, I I had developed a. Um, a self-preservation mode that was always in the back of my mind. I was always looking for escape routes and I'm sure some of that comes from the army too. Right. But I was always looking for an escape, whether it was a physical escape or an emotional escape. I always had a way out of something. Uh, I was going to make sure I was never without a roof over my head. I was going to make sure I was never without food. I was going to make sure I was never in a dangerous situation that I didn't put myself into on purpose. And, um, it it, it kind of went from there. One year I decided, I was like, you know, I don't want to grow a garden. And that was, that was 2010, 2011, somewhere around there. Yeah. But I was like, I want to grow a garden. And um, I didn't read any books, didn't do any research. And, you know, 2010, this is before the age of smartphones. There was when smartphones were just kicking off. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't really, you know, pull it out of your pocket and look, right? Right. So, um, so I harken back to when I was younger. When I was younger, I used to spend summers at my great grandma's house up in uh, Virginia, and uh, she had a one-acre garden. And that woman worked you to the bone from sun up to sundown. It's a big garden. And, and uh, I'm talking, I'm I'm seven years old, eight years old, right? So mm-hmm. I hated it. Hated every moment of it. Didn't pay a lot of attention back then. So I'm sitting here trying to recall. Memories from a time that I hated and didn't pay any attention to. Right. Or how great grandma did this. But, uh, so needless to say, the first year was a failure. Uh, I planted my tomatoes up under a bunch of uh, poplar and maple trees and completely shaded out. 
and um, it was just absolute failure. But I, I didn't, I didn't lose hope. So I spent that winter. Winters in North Carolina was much different. Winters in South Mississippi. So that winter, I was checking out books from the library um, on agriculture, industrial farming, um, the hippie movements uh, in the seven sixties and seventies, and and just learning all these different ways, just just soaking in as much knowledge as I could soak in. So the next year uh, was a much bigger garden and a completely different place and um, did really well. And um, that that's kind of where it started at. I went from that, that first failed garden to uh, now, now I'm on a three acre plot with, with chickens and turkeys and goats and sheep and 5,000 square foot garden area orchard in the front yard. That's awesome, dude. It's just it's just grown from there over time. One little bit every year. You know, you learn something one year and you fix it the next year, and, and it's just grown from there. Yeah. Do you want to talk about how you went full time? How you made that decision? Oh, that's a fun one. So I was working in the smell telecommunication industry on the maintenance side of it, and we're talking tower climbers and things like that. Okay. And yep. I. I was the business analyst for this company, uh, one of the largest tower maintenance companies in the country. Mm. And um, for about six months, I had gone to, they had flown me around the country. I'd take training here and training there, and they were getting this new computer system in. And uh, I was supposed to make my life easier, my job easier, because as big as we were covering um, 32 states, I was still punching everything into a spreadsheet, right? And uh, so we were, we were doing a serious upgrade of the computer system. And um, COVID hit. And it was March, Friday the 13th, March 2020. Um, I got back from a doctor's office and uh, HR lady was sitting in my office waiting on me. I walked in. She's like, if you would shut the door, we need to talk. And uh, I said, okay. So I shut the door. I went behind my desk and immediately just started cleaning my desk out. Like I, I knew what was going on. Didn't know why it was going on, but I, you know, I've seen that situation before. And uh, yeah, she, they, they let me go. And, um, you know, I, I was an essential personnel and I, w- I was going home, couldn't do my job from home. So they, they were just letting me go. That's it. And That's I, all they needed. Yeah, hmm. I had never been written up. I had never been spoken to. No, no warnings like you know raise every year, good employee. But what had happened was, uh, you know, I, I made fifty thousand dollars a year. They put a fifteen thousand dollar computer system in that basically did my job for me. Hmm. So I wasn't let go because of COVID. I was let go because of the computer system. I don't care what anybody tells me, and it's fine. Automation. Right. Automation is going to be replacing jobs more and more going forward, right? Oh, definitely, yep. So uh, I accepted what happened. Immediately started putting in job applications. You know, I got a wife and three kids, and nobody was hiring. Actually, everybody was laying off because we were just getting into the throes of the pandemic sure. and the lockdowns and all that. So uh got on unemployment. It took them a month to actually get me my first unemployment check. And um, that was March, April. I got my first check. The end of April, 
I don't know if you know him on Twitter. Any of your listeners on Twitter might know him, Coach Joe Hart. Uh, he's the flipping expert. He was down in Mississippi for a um, a funeral about two two and a half hours north of me, and uh, he messaged me. He's like, "Hey, you mind if I swing by?" Because I had just got into this flipping thing, trying to earn some side money. Like flipping just regular items or houses? Uh, just regular items. Okay. Um, I, like the, the pandemic was going on. I was buying Mississippi never shut down. So you had okay. states like like New York, California, Minnesota that were just, just complete lockdown, right? Michigan. Mm-hmm. So Mississippi never locked down. Uh, we never even had a mask mandate. We had a mask advised us to wear one. Sure. And um, so I was going into Dollar General buying $10 hair clippers and selling them on eBay for 25 bucks. Mm. And they were going and, and we, I did, a, I, I made, I made a thousand dollars in one day off of weights, off of barbells. There's no gyms. Wow. And everything like that. So I was Dang, buying, dude. I was buying at $2 a pound. I put them on auction on eBay and they were selling at $10 a pound. And nice. uh, I was like, uh, I felt bad for a little while. I was like, man, I feel like I'm ripping people off. But I was like, as long as I'm in the auction section, you know, people are controlling what they're spending, right? So yeah. uh, I kind of let that go. So I did really good doing that, and I used that boost um, to really invest into the farm. And um, we're in we're in middle May 2020 now, and uh, my wife was like, you know. Your your dreams the farm. She goes, I think you need to to really focus on the farm. And uh, I was like, I, I kind of fought it for a couple weeks, and I still did the flipping thing, but um, I really started focusing on the farm. We really started looking more at um, our online business. We've had that since 2016. That's just a little side thing, our website, and then uh, we really got into local markets local community markets doing vendors uh, becoming a vendor and selling there and um that that just ele- that just just rocketed us to another level at that point right and it was then that i knew if i put in the work and effort this is all i had to do you know what i mean yeah. uh, i can make i can make my living on my property with my animals and with my plants and i can love every minute of it and uh, that that's where i've been ever since Dude, that's awesome. Um, man, that's that's got to be stressful, though, too. Because, like, you know, you said you were making 50K a year. Um, that's got to be, I mean, it's not exactly like apples to apples. You know, like, okay, I just, I just need to make 50 grand, like, in farming. It's more like, um, you know, I'm... I'm providing more of our own food. So that cuts back on groceries. That's less I have to spend, which means it's less I have to make. So like, there's like a whole balancing act, but still like. Um, oh, it was a complete shift in mentality. Complete shift oh, in mentality. Sure. Sure. Um, I now understand that I can live very comfortably on 25,000 a year. Really? Dude, that's amazing. Um, what has happened, and I kid you not, when I, when I made 50 grand a year, um, we had a lot more debt back then. 
Sure. Because like like most Americans and what we're really taught in school or lack of teaching in schools, um, we we try to live to our income. Right. So versus uh, when, when our income goes up, our debt tends to go up because we like to buy more toys and do more things. Yeah, there you go. And uh, and and I followed that trend too. So at fifty thousand yeah. dollars a year, it, it was nothing for my bank account to hit a negative between paycheck and paycheck. No, that's very common. And uh, it was just, you know, I, I was loose with the money. The kids wanted to go do something, or my daughter wanted a new toy, or wife wanted to go on a trip. Well, guess what? That's what we went and did. And uh, since then, in the last two, two and a half years, my bank account has been negative zero times. Nice, dude. I'm, I'm not putting near as much money in there, but once... Once the mentality shift hit and we got rid of a bunch of debt, paid off a bunch of credit cards and things like that, while I was doing that's what we used a lot of the flipping money for, just getting rid of debt. And uh, it's been living well within our means now. So, you know, a big helper is raising our own food. Um, yeah. I haven't I haven't been in a grocery store. Uh, I lied to you. I, I went a couple of days ago to buy a gallon of milk. But um, could you? Yeah. So our grocery store visits have been toilet paper. It has been uh, a gallon of milk here and there. And we actually have a local creamery, and it's usually where I buy milk from. But uh, they, they had been – they went on vacation or something, I forget, but they were closed for like four days. So I went okay. to the grocery store. And, um, it, yeah, that's that's what we go to the grocery store now. Like we go to Sam's Club, and when we go to the grocery store, usually it's Sam's Club. So we'll go to Sam's Club once every – three, four months, and usually that's to buy toilet paper, paper towels, things like that. You know, just right. the stuff we the stuff we could make. I say could make because I know how to, um, but I don't want to <laughs> here on the homestead. You got enough to do. Yeah, if, if anybody has ever turned paper into pulp and then mashed it into toilet paper and tried using it, you'll realize just how much you enjoy what you buy at the grocery store. I'm imagining it being very coarse. Um, it gets you clean. I was leaving it at that. <laughs> Good to know. But, uh, it, it's but you know it's a it's a skill. If we if we ever needed it, I know how to do it. But as long as I don't have to, I'm not going to. Right, right. It's one of those uh, things. Like yeah, and, and it's uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those things. You got to figure out where. Um, I'm not a purist. There's a lot of homestead purists out there. They do everything yeah, by, by back-breaking labor, and they're going to make everything the old school way, and that's fine. That's great for them. I'm not that guy. Um, I like to provide really food. Food is, is what is the, is the thing that we provide most for our family here. Um, we use everything we sell on our website, soaps, things like that. We do make that ourselves and use it. And... Um, I do a lot of uh, household cleaners using all natural products. So we've cut a lot of that stuff out, but there's a lot of stuff that you just go to the store and buy it. Right. Um, I, I, I'm not against solar panels. I'm not against uh, windmills. I have a, a weather station in my backyard that I, that gives me a two day in advanced forecast. I, I, I am a, a proponent for technology. If it makes your life yeah. easier. No, that makes sense. Why would you? Well, 
I'm sure someone could give me a reason, but I don't see why you'd like not use like the available tools. Like don't, don't rely on it. Like, you know, no, if, if this one thing breaks, like I'm screwed, like, obviously that's, that's not very good, but. Right. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I got I got a riding mower. I have a push mower, and then I have one of those old school lawnmowers with the spinning blades on it. But you push. Oh, nice. Um, I want a scythe, and uh, more for the novelty of it. I know people that are, are real deep in the scything, and that's how they mow their grass and everything, and that's cool. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I want one just to learn the skill of doing it. Um, hmm. Again, in case it's ever needed, right? Sure. Yeah. So, uh, it looks very a, therapeutic. Yeah, it does. Like if there's a rhythm. Yeah, it's like. Uh, did you see my video on uh, cleaning amaranth seeds? I didn't see the video. I saw the thumbnail uh, that you guys were about to um, like make, like mill it and make bread. Yeah. So yeah. Um, we gathered the amaranth seeds, and um, you get you get a, you get a little flower petals and everything in there, and and. Some in there is okay, but uh, you don't want to leave them all in there. You got to clean it out. So I posted a video on Twitter of shaking the bowl and then blowing into the bowl, and the, the flower petals blow out, but the seeds being heavier just stay. Sure, makes sense. And uh, the very first reply I got was, "All right, how do you automate this?" And I'm <laughs> like, "I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't cause that's therapeutic to me." Uh, it, sure. It's 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 almost meditative. You just shake the bowl, you blow, your mind's wandering, you're thinking about this or that, right? And uh, it's it's a moment of 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 sitting back and, and relaxing a little bit because even even outside of the corporate world, um, the amount of stress I have has not changed. It's just the things that I stress about have changed. Sure. And I try to tell people that and, and they're like, oh, the, the homestead lifestyle looks great, lovely, it's beautiful, peaceful. And I'm like, yes, it's all those things. And it's entirely stressful. So, you know, you if you leave the corporate world and go to the homestead world, you're doing it full time. You're just trading one set of stresses for another set of stresses. Sure. It, it's a, you're, you're making a decision at that point. Uh, which stresses are you more willing to deal with? No, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, my, go ahead. I, I was just going to say one example was uh, beginning of June. We had a heat wave. It didn't rain for two weeks. That was a big stress for me, trying to make sure my plants were watered and everything. Um, so, you know, it's not it's not a deadline for a report. It's worrying about mm-hmm. water from my plants. So it, it's you're just trading stresses, one stress for another stress. Right, right. Um, so... Let's talk about what motivates you to grow your own food. I think it's pretty obvious. You make an income from it. Uh, it sustains your lifestyle. I mean, you got wife and three kids to take care of by growing your own food. And I mean, is there more to it than than that? Like eating eating healthy food that you grew. Um, you know, because let's let's face it. Like good food is expensive. Well, food in general is expensive now, but good food's even more expensive. So, I mean, right. like, what, what else would motivate, would motivate you to grow your own food? All right. So as far as income, I only make income off of my winter garden. Um, my spring and summer garden is, I have made money off of it selling a watermelon here or there, but I don't use okay. it as a, as a big income source. Right. So okay. um, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. 
So uh, spring and summer is just my family's food, um, hmm. primarily. We Why grow a lot. Um, I think for the most part is there's there's three farmers markets around me that we go to, mm-hmm. and all all of them have their own produce vendors already. Okay, so the market's saturated. Yeah, basically. Okay. Okay. So um, don't didn't want to fool with that. So we focus on I focus on growing enough that we can eat now and we can preserve for later. Okay. So all winter all winter long we're gonna eat what came out of the the garden over the summer. Okay. Um when we shift to the winter garden, South Mississippi is beautiful in the fact that I can grow a garden twelve months out of year and not really worry about anything. We don't have hard freezes here. Okay. Good. So That's uh, nice. Broccoli, cauliflower, all your leafy greens, collard, spinach, kale, lettuce. Um, That's what I grow all winter long. I grow it without impediment. I grow it without worrying about uh, hard freezes, killing anything. And uh, no farmer's market around here has a produce vendor in the wintertime. I'm the only one. So people are coming to me in the wintertime to get their fresh spinach and to get their fresh lettuce and their broccolis and their Brussels sprouts. Dang. That's pretty sweet. That's yeah, kind of, um, uh, that's kind of ballsy. I'm not going to lie that he just all eggs in the winter market basket. Yeah. Well, I'm, this time of year, um, we have our soap and our candles and our lotions and my wife makes jewelry and, um, we, this year we started the, the, the homestead bakery. So, uh, we have all those other market income sources. Okay. So that's what we're, that's what we're doing in the spring, summer and fall. So we shift in the winter time to, uh, to, to vegetables. And, oh, and what so happens say, is we, we, we don't actually, we don't actually take the, the other two away. We just add one more market booth. We add the vegetable booth. It's the great thing about having a 19 year old son. I can, Pay him in charge of a booth and say, How about it? There you go. So, uh, the summer market's more like artisanal, I guess is the word, like stuff, yeah, as well as like bread and like yes. items. Okay, okay, yeah. If it if it's on my website, it's at my market booth in, in nice. the summer. Nice, that's interesting. I haven't heard of that strategy before that you just um focus on these things for the summer and then actually do produce in the, in the winter. That's, that's interesting. It's, it's taken a few years to get there and um, I bet it's just trial and error, figuring out what's working when, uh, like this time of year, we don't take candles. We make homemade home port candles, hand, hand port candles. They do not go to the market in the summertime to the vendor booth. We just don't sell them. Mm. Um, there's no market for it. I don't sell them online hardly this time of year. Come fall, I sell candles like it's like, like you're never gonna be able to light a candle again. <laughs> and uh, so we we've just learned like we've done we've done the artisanal thing since 2016. So we've we've had a lot of years to figure out what's gonna sell when, so we know what to put our focus on. Uh, right now, summertime, I sell a lot of soap. And I guess because everybody's hot and sweaty and they want to take a shower. <laughs> Especially this year, it seems like just the heat has been nuts. Right. So it's so uh, soap this year. 
Do what? Are you selling extra soap this year? Yeah, we've we've sold a lot of soap this year. I've had a hard time <laughs> making enough. We we cold process, so you know, from the time a batch is done to the time I can sell it at minimum is four weeks. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, soap has to cure a minimum of four weeks. Uh, if you cold process it, you can hot process it, but the soap quality is not near as good. Uh, What's cold, your cold process the true old fashioned way? What's your base? Like, do you use like goat milk in your soaps or something? Uh, we use um, uh, we use a, a mixture of oils: coconut oil, sunflower oil, uh, olive oil. Nice. Is there even think, goat milk think, soap? That, is that a thing? Am yes, I it is. am I mixing? Oh, okay. I was like, wait, am I making some stuff up? Um, no, good nice. school. Uh, soap is very popular. We do not make any though. Um, there are two other two other vendors at the market that sell goat's milk soap. Uh, one of them sells only goat's milk. All his soap, different varieties, all have goat's milk in it. So we actually have a kind of a partnership with them. If somebody comes by looking for soap that's not goat's milk, he sends them our way. If somebody comes by our booth looking for goat's milk soap, we send them his way. And uh, nice. that, that's, that's worked really well having that. Um, cause even though we're competition for each other, we're, we're helping each other at the same time. Yeah. Unless someone's and, on the fence and then you'll kill each other to get their, <laughs> get their business. <laughs> now my prices are better than Steve's. So uh, I usually win on that one. I suppose. I suppose. Uh, uh, that, that one extra ingredient, that goat's milk raises the, the price just, just a little bit. I believe it. Let's let's talk about your property a little bit. Um, okay. What what methods, like practices or techniques, are, do you have on your on your property? So, like you, you said that you can like densely plant and garden your stuff. How are you yeah. achieving that? Okay, so I I use a method of garden, um, and it's a method of intensive gardening that um, requires. So, do you know what square foot gardening is? Yes, I do it here. Do you know, do you I know mean, what I'm companion... like crappy at it, but uh, I do it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what companion planting is? Yes. Okay, I mix them together. Okay, I thought that was part of square foot gardening that you do companion plants with uh, square foot gardening. Like, uh, I'm, I'm struggling, like basil with tomatoes or something. I don't remember. Yeah, that, and um, that's what I don't get because i usually why that you mean you don't get that that isn't the standard is that what you're saying yes i don't get that i agree uh because it makes sense to me if you go back to uh the native americans and the three sisters right that's companion planting um in kind of a square foot garden fashion okay so um yeah so you know, the great thing about square foot and companion planting together is you said tomatoes and basil. So you can get one tomato plant in a square foot. You can get four basil plants in a square foot. So you plant a tomato plant in the center and you put a basil plant on each corner of that square foot. Yeah. So now, now you have five plants in one square foot. And um, that that's how I garden everything. Nothing goes in the ground without a companion going in right beside it. Hmm. So... Um, I've already harvested my potatoes or I would love to show you when I, when I plan again next year, remind me, um, I have beans, I have bean vines growing through my potato plants. 
some beans and potatoes go really great together. Potatoes are heavy feeders. Beans pull a lot of nitrogen out of the out of the air and put it into the ground. So, so potatoes are, are feeders, and, and beans like to give it to them. Same thing beans do for corn. The three sisters, but so they're they're benefiting each other, and and I always I always plant together. I'm trying to find the name of this book that I wonder if you've plant partners, science-based companion planting strategies for the vegetable garden by Jessica Wallister. Wall Walliser. Um, I don't know if you, you've read that. I have uh, the plant partners books. Um, it's not like a, it's not like a chart. I uh, online, you, you see like a, like a chart, like, oh, if you're planting, let's say tomatoes, also plant these three other things or whatever. If you're planting onions, plant this with onions, like chart like that. This isn't quite like that. It's more like it's it's broken up. Like, what are you trying to accomplish? Are you going for pest like resilience? Plant this with that or this with that. Right. Or this with that. Or are you trying to, like, you have a fungal problem? Do you have a nitrogen problem? Do you have blah, blah, blah problem? Like, that's how it's broken up. Like, right. what is your desired outcome? Not necessarily like a catch all, blah, blah, blah. Um, it was interesting. So I was curious, like, where I was going with that is do you have, like, yeah. like your, standard okay if i am planting onions i always plant them with this if i'm planting i don't know strawberries i'm planting it with this um i don't i, I don't have a standard um i have a standard plant that i plant at all times with everything and okay. uh, if you've ever seen I don't know. I've, I've talked about it many times on Twitter. The marigolds. Marigold is a wonder plant. The flower. Um, yes. Okay. So marigold will keep rodents out of your garden, squirrels, rabbits. Um, even it'll even repel deer, um, and it'll repel many pests as well. Marigolds are on your tomatoes. You're not going to get any hornworms on them. Hmm. Um, it, it's a. It's a, I plant hundreds of marigolds. Every year, I, I start them and seed myself in the greenhouse, and they go in the garden when I'm planting. And uh, I don't have possums, rabbits, um, deer. I, I don't have those problems in my garden. I never had. There's no fence around my garden, but there are marigold everywhere. Um, is it just something about the smell, or like, yeah. like what is it? Yeah, it's the smell that repels them. Hmm. The, both the pests and the rodents are repelled Lunch. by the scent. No, I'm trying to and, think of what a marigold smells like. <laughs> and a marigold's actually edible. So, like the whole plant. head or just the petals or what part? Well, the whole plant was edible. Leaf, okay. fruit, flower. Uh, the flower is... The, it doesn't taste well. I didn't, you know, um, the flower is not terrible, but the rest of the plant is horrible. And yes, I've tried it. And uh, the flower is very peppery actually. So it's actually not a bad addition if you want like a peppery flavor to a salad. You throw a couple marigold flowers in. That would be good. So it's, uh, yeah, so marigold is my, I have to have it plant. 
I, I've had people, I've seen people post on Twitter, how do I get rid of this pest? Or I'm having this problem with deer. Uh, somebody came up with this big contraction contraption to put around their tree involving a fence and barbed wire and some stakes and an electric deterrent. And I was like planting marigolds around your trees. And uh, he did. And, and he hasn't had a deer problem since. That's crazy. I'm going to have to try that. Because um, I was like thinking... Like I've got a I've got a roll of fencing that I that I bought like cheap. It's like oh man, what was it? It's like three hundred and thirty feet. And it's a six foot fence uh, yeah. that I picked up for for a hundred bucks a couple of years ago, and I was like, man, I'm gonna have to use this to because because we just get deer through the yard all the time. And right. I, one one year I tried like that um, whatever like powdery junk that you sprinkle and you're supposed to water it and it lasts like a month or two um that that worked but then i forgot to keep applying it so eventually everything got eaten but um and and flowers seem cheaper than fencing <laughs> oh yeah especially if you grow them yourself yeah that's true uh, I, I think every year i pay like six bucks for a thousand seeds so it's uh if you got space in, in a greenhouse or or in a, a sunny room somewhere that you can put out yeah 500 seeds then uh, i i recommend it uh if if it doesn't work for you the worst you've done is planted some pretty flowers in your yard yeah but true. it's always worked for me and everyone i've suggested it to has, has always said good things i'm gonna need to try that maybe i'll just I'll, instead of growing any food i'll grow marigolds and <laughs> be like, I, I will keep the deer out of your yard with this flower. Give me, give me the the difference. Whatever you you grew last year minus this year, and I'll I'll take that extra. There so, you go. It's a it's a it's a great plant. And recently, I've uh, I've seen other people starting to talk about marigolds and the benefits of them, which which makes me happy. Marigolds and dandelions. I talk about them all the time. Nice. You're uh you're you're finally catching on. You're 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 spreading the good word of marigolds. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. Uh, so, and people look at me funny too, and they're like, What do I have to plant? I'm like, you have to plant marigolds. And they're like, What? It's like trust me, plant marigold. How did you hear about that? Uh I read it somewhere, and I'm going to guess I read it in probably like Mother Earth News or somewhere okay. like that. Sure, sure. Mother Earth News, Grit. Um, I'm subscribed to all of those magazines. So we talked about um, – because my next question was, what have you tried that worked well? Marigolds. Um, so we're going to skip that one and go straight to uh, what did you what have you tried that failed or didn't work well? Um, besides planting tomatoes under, uh, big trees. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of, of some recent failures. I would have to say, um, so I, I have a, I have a hobby of, of growing weird things. Okay. So I, I have, I have our, our staple plants, right? That we're growing every year and it's the squashes and the pumpkins and the watermelons, corn so forth so um but i like to grow novelty plants too uh, i actually have a I actually have a goal to grow the uh, world record setting tallest sunflower plant 
world I'm record ready. tallest sunflower? Yeah, it's it. The, the world record right now sits at like 32 and three quarter inches or, or 32 feet, 32 and three quarter feet. Um, my That's biggest, crazy. my biggest plant ever has been at like 18 and a half feet. You have to double it. Yeah. Yep. That's um, nuts. Um, Wouldn't it fall over? Do you have to support it? You do. You have to, okay. you have to support it. Um, so my biggest failure would, would, would possibly be actually, you know what, this year, I've had a couple failures this year. One of them is a novelty plant. It's called walking stick kale. Um, it's what kale kale. Okay. Uh, it's a kale plant. It grows about 20 feet tall in it's native range. Um, and people actually, when they cut it down, they make walking sticks out of the, the stem. Like it, it becomes this woody, which you know, kale, if it gets big enough, creates a woody stalk anyway. So uh, they use these stalks and they make walking sticks and, and you can buy, you can go online and buy them. They're expensive. Okay. I, like, I've seen this picture on uh, like rare earth or Baker Creek, a uh, rare earth, uh, rare seeds and Baker Creek. Wow. Yeah. Those are nuts. And uh, it, it's a whole market in, in corn, Cornwall, England, I think maybe. Uh, I know it's in the British Isles, but uh, they, they take them and they cut these sticks up and they hang them for a year for them to dry out. And then they sand them down and lacquer them and sell them as walking sticks. And, and it's a, it's supposed to be a highly sought after thing in some circles. Huh. Okay. And um, I was like, I'm going to try growing this. Um, my kale got about four inches tall and died. <laughs> oh, man. What is this? Um, a walking stick for ants? <laughs> right. And uh, I have some seeds left from my failure earlier in the year. And as uh, I'm going to plant again in October and try to grow them over the winter. Because I think uh, South Mississippi's climate is more inducive to uh, southwestern England's uh, sure. summer fall climate. So I'm trying that, that again. Um, my failure this year is I grow hot peppers. And uh, I make hot sauces. And um, I've grown hot peppers for years, different varieties, ghost peppers, Trinidad scorpions, um, um, Carolina reapers. So this year I tried, my ghost peppers did phenomenal. I, I have pounds of ghost peppers in my fridge right now. I have to dehydrate. Um, but I, I tried two new varieties. One's called Dragon's Breath, which is supposed to be hotter than a Carolina reaper. Carolina reaper is the hottest official pepper. And really? then another one, and then another one called Death Spiral, and um, <laughs> that sounds awesome. I have lost all but five of my pepper plants, and none of those are even a foot tall, and they've been in the ground for three months. I don't know what's going on with those plants. So that that is that's been a failure for me this year, a big failure for me because I grow peppers all the time. I love growing them. I've never had problems with them. Hmm. Do you ever do soil tests? Um, I haven't in a long time. I do it once about every three years. I was just curious. I've I've never done one, so um. Well, it's it's easy here because University of South Mississippi's uh, Department of Agriculture. Yeah, you can go to any feed store, and the test kit is free. You pick up the this box and these sample baggies, and you take the samples and you mail it off to university. It's like 12 bucks. 
and then they'll make you a letter back with everything that's in your soil. Hmm. Nice. I was just curious. It's, it's convenient because apparently it's not that's not a thing in a lot of places. Um Matt Sorrell on Twitter is also in our Telegram group. Well, me and him yes. was talking. He has, he has to hire. He's up in New York, right? Um, he has to hire an actual company to do it, and it costs several hundred dollars. Oof! For That's for weird. what I get from what I get from the university for twelve. I feel like they make like kits like that you can buy online and just like like they do mail it in and. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, they do. I've actually, I've actually interviewed Matt kind of early on, like probably four months ago. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They uh, they they do sell them. You can get them. Um, uh, they're they're not near as detailed though. Like like if you really want to go, true. Yeah. If you really want to go with what's in your soul and exactly how to fix it, you know you. What the report I get from the university will tell me that there's you know fourteen point six percent potash. You know, just to throw some random out, right. and uh, I know exactly what the pH level is. And um, when I do test, and actually next year is is year three for my last test, so I will test again. I pull up Google Earth, and and I print out a picture of my property, and I just dot where I pull my samples from. Mm. And uh, that way, I can compare the results from from the test back to where I actually pulled that sample from, and and it gives me an idea of what I need to plant where, what how I need to amend the soil in certain areas. I, I don't want to have a lot of of goat manure that is composted and it is wonderful uh, for growing plants, but I don't want to throw it somewhere I don't need it. Because um, again, sure. again, I'm small property, and um, I don't. I have some goat manure, but I don't have enough to just, you know, recover the whole garden every year. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So very, very, very pick and choose what I do wear out there. And, uh, but you know, once you do this long enough and you learn plant health and you learn how to study um, negative reactions in plant plant following leaves around spot period or you can kind of tell what's going on without just by what the plants themselves are doing. Um, you broke up just a little bit there. Um, at, at the at the end. All right. Okay, I, I was just gonna say, uh, I or I was just saying that uh, by learning the plants, you can kind of tell what's going on in the soil by how the plants are reacting to to or how the plants are growing. Right. Um, my exception would be the the peppers. I have no idea what's going on because they're not turning yellow. They're not browning. There's no fungus. There's no mildew. Like there's nothing I can visibly see wrong with these plants. Sure, they just got stunted and then like stopped. I guess or something. Yeah, basically. Weird. So I'm uh, actually going to. I've actually bought some some fertilizer mix. Um, it's all organic. Um, that I'm going to try putting on my peppers. Whenever it quits raining, it's rained for three days straight now. Do you do you have like uh, did you contour your landscape at all to like capture any of that water, or um, is it designed in such a way that it, it is designed in a way to get rid of water? Get rid. Okay. Okay. 
Because um, it can be too much. I, I get a lot of water. Uh, last year, I lost my entire uh, late spring, early summer crop to rain. Jeez. Um, last June, we got a year's worth of rain in the month of June. June 2020. Oh, my gosh. What's and, your uh, annual precipitation? Um, off the top of my head, I don't know. But an average June is like 7.4 inches. We are we are one of the wettest places in the in the country. Like we are we are right behind the Pacific Northwest. Annual precipitation of Mississippi. Uh statewide average is fifty-five point nine. Go to uh, Harrison, more, more about sixty-five along the coast. Yeah. Okay, sixty-five inches along the coast. I'm at nineteen. <laughs> we are we we got it was up there it was 60 some inches I, I seen one report that said 68 inches of rain that june in a month wow in a month wow. it was just uh it was just tropical wave after tropical wave coming in off the gulf and okay. june 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 last year had five named storms like most of them came over or nearby us, so we got sure. rain off of it, and it was. But last summer was very cool at the same time because it, it was overcast the whole summer long, and we got a lot of rain. We had a lot of clouds, and it took until August to get us up into the nineties when normally we're we're hitting nineties in late April, early May. Mm. So there was there was there was a balance to it. You know, the temperatures felt a lot nicer for a lot longer. Right. It's very humid, though. <laughs> if it's that wet, that's it's quite humid. It, it is humid. I, I can I can take a hundred percent humidity up to about ninety degrees. After that, it becomes miserable. I can take about zero percent humidity anytime. I, <laughs> dude, I'm a dry heat. I'm a dry heat boy. <laughs> I'll, I'll just and then I can just I can I can just complain about the the temperature and not that the air feels heavy. I don't I don't like that. I was born and raised in the South. I've lived with humidity my whole life. It don't bother me at all. I mean, it's it's pretty humid in Minnesota where I'm from. Uh, just with all the bodies of water around, the air is just heavy. <laughs> and uh, it, I don't like right. it. I, I didn't realize how bad it was until I left. But um, <laughs> uh, uh, moving on. What's been the biggest challenge in homesteading that you faced? Um, the biggest challenge has been um, has been my income. Uh, I, I was talking to somebody the other day. Uh, it's been a little while back uh, at Homegrown Sanctuary on Twitter. Uh, Kyle, we were talking about it, and I said, uh, "I said when you live like this, it's very much feast or famine." And uh, we we have we have times where we have extra money and and we're not worried about anything, and there are times when I'm like, all right, I hope market is really good this weekend, because you know we got we got a power bill coming up. Hmm. So my biggest challenge has been uh, having my biggest challenge has been having faith in myself to be able to maintain this. If I'm absolutely honest, 
Okay. There, there's been many times where I've gone, you know what? It'd be so much easier just to have a nine to five, and I know I got a paycheck every Friday. Because it, uh, it, it, it's stressful. It, it doesn't stressful. You have a we we missed market three weeks in a row here recently. Um, heat wave on one Saturday, and uh, it was it was like 118 out there with the heat index. And we were like, yeah, we're not going. And then my birthday, and everybody wanted to stay home and celebrate that. And then my daughter's birthday the next week. So we didn't go to market for three weeks in a row. Mm-hmm. And uh, the this past two weeks have sucked pretty bad. And I told my wife, I was like, you know, uh, we didn't realize how much we depended on the market, did we? <laughs> nah, we're not going to take a three weeks to stand again. So a little, a little recent lesson learned. Is there a way you can capture your regular customers or clientele um, without the market, or is that um, is it we, is it pretty tied? My local customers, I would say, I would say we're half and half uh, where we've gotten our customers from um, now. Most of them come visit us at the market, but we gained a lot of customers off of, of really off of Facebook, as much as I hate that platform. Um, so if you get on Facebook, you have, uh, like, I, I'm in, I'm in social Mississippi. I don't mind telling people it's not hard to research and figure that out. Um, sure. there's, there's a group, Citizens of Social. There's actually three citizens of social groups on Facebook. Um, one of them does not allow you to advertise your business. The other two does. Um, so a you know, couple, couple times a week, I throw a post on there. Hey, you know, we got a new product coming out or, Hey, come see us at the market this weekend or something like that. And we have, we've actually made a lot of connections off of Facebook, um, our Facebook page. I'm going to lie here and guess it's like 400, 500 followers on it. Now my wife handles the Facebook. I gotcha. Okay. Um, most of our online sales has come from Twitter. Huh. Wouldn't have guessed that. Yeah, I just about all my online customers um, found me on Twitter. That's pretty sweet. It actually did something. Yeah. Oh, I've made I've made good money from Twitter over the years. Not not like great money, but I've made money from Twitter over the years. Sure. I you have made friends. Uh, That's invaluable. Oh man, the connections I've made on Twitter has been, been phenomenal. Yeah, it is. Twitter is a networking platform if you use it correctly. That's true. Um, yeah, I have an ebook. I've done ebook sales over Twitter. Uh, I have two published books. I I post them on Twitter from time to time, and I'll get sales from that. So I've made money from Twitter. Hmm. I didn't know that. I didn't know that about uh, what. What are your ebooks about? Uh, or, or your other books? All of them. Uh, my, my ebook's about gardening. Um, it's basically, uh, you know how uh, you got the the four idiots books. Yes. So it's like it's like gardening for idiots, the basic edition. Um, it's uh, a crayon eating edition. Yeah, basically, it's it's for people who's never touched a seed or touched dirt in their life. Hmm. Um, so that that's my ebook, and it goes into doing like. Um, He's talking about home soil tests. 
Yeah. Uh, I have a whole section in there about the, the jar tests where you, where you put dirt in a jar with water, shake it up, leave it overnight, and you can see the, the layers of clay, uh, sand, um, silt. Silt, thank you. Um, so, and you can tell by how thick those layers are, what your ground composition is. So, and I have pictures of all that. So, all that's in that ebook. That's pretty sweet. Um, the published books, uh, one of them is. Um, it's called the Christian Heathen, and um, it's uh, it's basically a, a, Is that the story. To be funny? No. Oh, okay. It sounds no. funny. I don't know why. A, it is a it is a journey of my spiritual. I went on like a twenty year spiritual quest, studying all different religions and stuff. And that that, that kind of documents that. At the same time, it it it. it Brings into line. Um, I talk a lot about the the, the uh, Norse heathen movement that's going on. You know, it's getting more and more popular these days. The what? The Norse heathen movement. Oh, okay. Norse paganism, Odin, Thor, all sure, the Norse yep. gods. Um, that's that's one of the fastest growing religions in the world right now. And um, that's interesting, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's uh. I actually compare that to Christianity in some parts of the book about how uh, some of the tenets of, of I call it Odinism. I know that's not the name of it. But some of the, yeah. So how how these tenets of Odinism actually matches Christianity, but it actually matches these other religions too as a guidebook uh, of morality. And uh, it's it's really just a uh, it's a documentation of of my journey through through different religions and, and getting from I was never raised in church um, in my teenage years early 20s I was in the witchcraft and all that and then uh, actually leading to where I'm at now where I'm I'm an ordained preacher and um, been went to Liberty University for my theology degree and, and now I'm a full-fledged converted Christian Damn. and then then my second book is um it's called Musings of a Modern Barbarian, and, and it's literally just that. It's just thoughts. I wrote blog articles for almost three years for a website called barbarianrhetoric.com, and mm-hmm. um, I took all my blog articles from three years, and I edited them, and I rearranged them, and did some stuff, and, and wrote a couple extra, and just put them in a book. It's it's a musings book. Sit around the campfire, sit on the toilet, whatever, and, and read thoughts. Sure. And it's it's thoughts of God, family. Um, I think God, family, pipe smoking is what I got on the front of it. Got. Oh, I got you. Okay, nice. Uh, quick question about the Christian heathen or heathen? What is it? Uh, the Christian heathen. The Christian heathen. It kind of sounds like you went shopping for religion and you found found one that you liked the best. Is that kind of like is that accurate? Yeah, that's pretty accurate. Okay, okay. I was just like, it kind of sounds like he just like went to test all these things and see see what he liked, see what worked. Yeah, um, I I went and, um, and I didn't just study. I actually put into practice all the different aspects of it. So uh, when I studied Buddhism, I kind of, you know, I didn't, I didn't wear the, the red and orange robes and shave my head, but I tried to apply some of the tenets to my life. When I studied Islam, I tried to apply some of the tenets to my life. 
and um, and not, I never converted to anything, but um, I, I immersed myself in every every religion I, that I looked into. That's fascinating because, like, to, then you can speak to Christianity in a completely different way that a lot of people couldn't. Yeah, that's exactly it. And and uh, my first out of Christianity was with a cult. And um, Christian, that's why Christianity was the last religion I came back to. Because um, <laughs> from about 15 years old to about 29, 30 years old, Christianity was a cult. I wanted nothing to do with it. And, and I, I went and studied all these other religions. Hmm. That's really, really fascinating. Um, I've, I've led an interesting life. I, I can tell. The, I can tell. The, the, fir- the first 30 years, I'm 39 now. From like 30 to 39, I've lived a very non-eventful life whatsoever. <laughs> from from what age to what age, you said? From 30 to now. So the last nine years, my life has not been very eventful. It's, it's pretty much me and my farm. Is that so bad? No, it's not. What's the best part about homesteading? Without a doubt, how much time I get with my kids. Nice. Um, my oldest boy, uh, he's apprenticing with a plumber, so he's, he's got his Monday through Friday job. But um, my middle child and then my daughter, you know, I homeschool both of them. I'm around them 24-7. And, um, yeah, it's my absolute favorite part of what I do. Does your, does your wife work? Yes, she's a teacher. Oh, nice. So she's a teacher, and you're homeschooling the kids. Yeah, yep, that's exactly that's, how that that's, funny. that's funny. Um, she teaches at a uh, Christian academy and in, in the town closest to us. Nice, that's pretty cool. Um, so we we talk in our in our Twitter circles, we talk a lot about localism. Um, what makes localism important? For me, localism is important because it's your community. Um, so this, this goes back to, to, to my prepping days when I, I actually started as a prepper more than a homesteader. Um, you know, everybody gets this uh, idea that you can do it by yourself, when in actuality that you you can't. You're not going to survive as a lone wolf in, in the world, and that's where localism comes into play because when, when you embrace localism, you're strengthening your community around you. You're building everybody around you. Um, if you when you're spending money, your money at your neighbor's place and your neighbor's spending their money at your place, you're involving each other and building each other up. And you just grow as a community at that point. And there's less need for reliance on, on outside sources, you know, on, on these big worldwide supply chains and things like that. Um, I don't need bananas from South America. Because the guy that wrote his five in the backyard. Right. And, uh, I'm getting bananas, he's making money, and, and everybody's thanks for me. Uh, it, it's just, it, it's a great way to strengthen everything around you from, from local economy to to building friendships and and it's just support. It's support without the need of outside assistance. 
Sure. So, so living a self-reliant lifestyle and believing in self-reliance as much as I do, um, it's kind of it kind of sounds weird. Relying on my neighbor builds my self-reliance. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. There's like there's like a whole other aspect of it too, though, because like you know, in the if you think about city life. A lot there's a lot of headbutting going on they were like you know i don't even talk to my neighbor because he put a whatever flag in his yard but like when you actually know your neighbors like you're a lot more i mean like really know your neighbors not just like oh they had a stupid sign in their yard that i didn't like uh be like no that's so and so he's got you know three kids one of them's going to this college this fall and you know his this blah 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 like you actually know what your neighbors do what their interests are whatever like it's a lot you 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 can care for them and care about them a lot more that you know you see them as a person and um rather than just like you know they voted for the wrong team <laughs> right and and that's a good point so let's look at uh, hurricane ida last year Everybody talks about Louisiana, whether it's Ida or Hurricane Katrina or whatever. But you know, Mississippi mm-hmm. gets slapped really hard by these storms. Sure. Um, Hurricane Zeta two years ago wiped out almost all my infrastructure, took out my buildings on my farm and everything. Twitter actually banded together wonderfully and bought me a new greenhouse and bought me a new outbuilding and everything. Seriously, dude, nice. Seriously, I I'm still grateful for that because I watched. I watched eight years of, of work get blown away by Cat Three Hurricane, and within a month, um, people I, I've never even talked to on Twitter didn't know they existed. I, I had a new, new greenhouse, I had a new storage building. Um, they just really, really came through for us. I, I had people send money for food, and um, uh, I think it was uh, yeah, it was Nate at Chronicles and Nate on Twitter. Um, I think it was him I was talking to, and I just bust, busted down crying, just just overwhelmed by the generosity. But uh, how could you not? Fa- fast forward to last year, Hurricane Ida it hit. It made landfall in Louisiana as a Category Four. We got hit pretty rough. Um, not so much. I didn't lose any infrastructure on the farm. But we lost power for almost a week. And everything works off power, right? I got a well. I don't have to tell any water. So if I lose power, I lose water. Right. My neighbor, we ended up getting together. I had a bunch of... And uh, oh, yeah, take three big... Do what? You you uh your your audio cut out there. You banded with your neighbor, and what did you do? Um, I had a bunch of jars of veggies and stuff that I had canned and preserved for the winter. He had three giant freezers full of meat. So mine and his family ate together for for three days straight, every meal. Nice. He brought the meat, I brought the sides, and um, you know we it, that's part of that support. You know if if. I lived in a place where you didn't know your neighbors. My kids would be eating jarred corn and jarred green beans and right, starchy right. potatoes. And um, so it was just one of those examples of, of where localism and community 
came together to benefit me. I live in hurricane country. I'm 16 miles from the ocean. Um, it, it doesn't take much to to go from normal life to kind of in survival mode. All right, I'm making I'm making a note here for later. Something I want to talk to you about privately. Um, okay. Um. Yeah, that's that's kind of crazy. That man, I that would be really quite the experience. Being able, like you know, the hard times in your community, but you and your neighbor, you know, because you know your neighbor you talk to your neighbor all that um you're in this community that you came together uh and like i'm I'm sure that was kind of like uh it ended up kind of being fun in a way i'm assuming like yeah how yeah, was and, your and relationship like, after that like do you still have meals together every now and then um on occasion um if like their granddaughter's having a birthday party We'll go over for the, for the cookout, and and my daughter and her granddaughter is about the same age. Yeah. But we we before and since then we've literally met at the fence, the old school. Leroy's on one side, I'm standing on the other, and we will stand there and talk for an hour. And he's telling me about he's not in the gardening or anything, but he's very good in the landscaping. He's he's got beautiful flowers and bushes and trees all over his property. So he's telling me about, you know, this bush he planted over here or, or maybe his pear trees in the backyard, what they're doing. And, and, uh, I'm over here handing him a dozen eggs just because I have 20 dozen in the refrigerator I'm talking about, you know, the goat, we lost a goat last week or whatever. Mm. And, uh, it's, it's, we've always had that meet at the fence and talk, um, relationship. It wasn't long after I moved in. They're, they're older, older folks, and um, his wife's a little crazy. And uh, she, uh, we wouldn't hear two weeks, and they were y'all come over for, y'all come over and eat with us. We're cooking out, and uh, at the risk of throwing out stereotypes or sounding a little racist, they're an older black couple. And when they cook, man, I'm gonna tell you they can cook. So uh, it's uh, it's been good. We we've always been that way. Eat here and there together. Um, birthdays, holidays. One Thanksgiving, we brought them over here. Um, they didn't have any family coming into town. It was just him and his wife sitting over there. So we did a Thanksgiving meal together. And That's but cool. but it's weird because I would hesitate to call them my friend. Because we don't really have a we don't really have a friendship, right? We have a we have a, a a neighborship. We help each other out when there's a need. We talk with each other when we cross paths, and um, we look out for each other. If they go on vacation, I watch the property. If I'm on vacation, they watch my property. Um, his wife, I told you, she's a little crazy. She almost shot the cable guy one day. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Had uh, the cable guy coming out to install internet, and, and his vehicle was unmarked. So it was just a solid white van. Okay, no that is a little sus. Yeah. So uh, I done talked to him. He was out walking around looking at where he was going to run the line at. And uh, I hear screaming. I'm inside the house, and I hear her screaming. 
I hear him yelling, and I'm like, what in the world is going on out there? And I walk outside, and she's got a 45 revolver waving around in the air. Who do you think you are? Why the F are you over there? What business you got on that property? And I come running out, whoa, whoa, whoa. it's okay, it's okay, it's a cable guy. <laughs> Poor dude. Poor dude. Was so pale. Like, he just knew he was about to die. But good people. I, I know I can count on them if I need them. They're alert. They're aware. They are. She's she's uh, she knows everything that's going on. And what's so funny is um you can only we can only see each other in the winter. And uh except for one spot in the yard where we meet at the fence to talk, right? I can oh, see their yeah. I can see their property. the fence divides our property. But everywhere else it's wooded on both sides of the fence. It's just this one oh. area. Gotcha. So uh, he just ha- he just happened to park right there in that area where she could look across and see. Mm. Because uh, they're the only people I can see, and I'm the only people they can see um, from the road, right? Yeah. And you can't see my house. You can't see their house. And uh, I can kind of see one of the neighbors through the trees a little bit if, if the leaves are off. Sure. I, I-, I like where I'm at. I like the privacy of it. I forget why I went down all that, that rabbit hole. I don't know. It doesn't matter. I, I It made me think of one of my bucket list items is to have like a, like a big or attend a, like a Southern style, like, like meal. Like, you know, I, I, I don't know if it's just like one of them, like uh food channel thingies or whatever, but like you got like this big long table with like tablecloth and like, there's like, shrimp and all this stuff like maybe they're like someone roasted like a pig or something i don't know just like this big big barbecue um community thing and i don't know i i i've never spent time in the south ever never been other than like florida that doesn't really count um yeah florida's trash can in the south (laughs) but i mean like the food looks so good that i want to and like to have the good food and the good community like that, that would be, that would be a cool experience. There's, there's a reason most of us are kind of fat down here. <laughs> the food is very good. That's like, uh, it's a requirement. If you ever come to the South and you go to someone's house, they have to feed you. It's, 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 it's custom. The Southern hospitality thing. It, it is. Uh, sure, when sure. coach Joe came, I smoked the pork shoulder on the grill. Um, what does that mean? What's a who's Coach Joe? Uh, Coach Joe Hart, the one that uh that taught me to do the flipping I was telling you about earlier. Oh, oh, sure, sure, yep, 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 got it. Okay. When he, when he came, we 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 did the stereotypical Southern thing because he he's from New Jersey. Um, I could I smoked a pork shoulder on the grill. We drank beer. We went down. He had never shot. Um, I'm not gonna say what I have. He's never shot some of the guns that I have, so we let him shoot those. <laughs> and uh, just had a good old fashioned because he even told me, he goes, When I think Southern, this is what I think of. Perfect. I was like, Well, this is this is culture. This is how my mama raised me. Yeah. You have a you have an automatic rifle, don't you? <laughs> I do not have an automatic rifle. Um nice try, Fed. <laughs> although next time although that's a federal law because the state according to mississippi law the state don't care if i have one it's the feds that care no i don't i don't have an automatic rifle 
I, I do have a rifle that they want to take away from people there. Hmm. I can only guess what that is. Maybe we'll talk about it later. Yeah, and and you know, I do with it what they say you can't do with it. I deer hunt with it. Okay. Nice. Um, wrapping up here. What would you tell people that want to get started? Go slow. The thing that I see calls the most failure in new homesteaders is biting off way more than you can chew. Too many people try to get too big too fast and take on too much at one time. Um, yeah, I've been full time for, for two years now. It took me nine years to get there. I, I worked a nine to five for, for nine years. And, and even then I was kind of forced into it. Right. Right. So, uh, yeah, don't, don't rush. Don't, don't try to take everything in at once. You know, do, do, if you want goats, start with rabbits. If you want, if you want turkeys, start with chickens. Uh, and, and chickens are like the, they were, they come in the starter set anyway. You, you have to get chickens from go. That's true. That's true. The gateway um, drug or whatever they call it. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and the next thing is gardening is a lot of work. You're going to spend way more time doing it than you think you're going to. At least as more than you, like you should be spending a lot of time doing it because if once you neglect it, like it just falls apart. Like you, your plants do better right. the more attention you give them. Yes. Um, Rizoma School on Twitter, she has a homesteading course. I, I, I've lectured for her twice. And one of the things I lectured on, um, she always has me do the gardening and plants and talk about those. And uh, one thing we talked about was the amount of time you need to spend in the garden per week. And people don't realize it. And um, I don't have the numbers in front of me. But it's like if you have a seven or yeah, 700 square foot garden, you're, you're probably going to spend 12 to, to 18 hours a week in that garden. Uh, 700 square feet is not a lot. No. Oh, one thing you, you mentioned earlier when you was talking about how I grow so much in, in, in the smaller area, I, I never got to part two. And, and I wanted to oh, mention yeah. that real quick to the listeners was I grow a lot of things vertical. I send up into the air whatever I can send up into the air. What does that mean? I grow a lot of things on trellises. Like what? Uh, pumpkins, watermelons, tomatoes. Pumpkins. I think I have seen pumpkins hanging from like uh, yeah. hog fencing or something. Yeah. Yeah. You just, just put some net around them once they, once they get too heavy and, and support them with a the net. Hmm. But uh, if you go up in the air, especially with uh, vining plants, it's like pumpkin to watermelon. It takes a huge amount of space normally. Um, you're right. freeing up a lot of room for yourself to put more plants. Hmm. I'll remember that. That's kind of cool. What like what's a what's a good pumpkin or watermelon companion plant? Marigolds. <laughs> Marigolds always come well. Uh, beans. Beans. Green beans. 
Um, it's another heavy feeder plant. Beans go great with anything that's a heavy feeder. So corn, yeah, peas. Peas work really well. So, um, that's why they're used as ground. So I know a lot of people that use peas to grow as an overwintering ground cover and just till it up in there in the spring for uh, biomass. Nice. So yeah, watermelons or pumpkins, the best thing other than marigold would be beans. That's the main thing. That's a good tip. After, I haven't, I, I'm really uh, weak in the gardening department. Um, I got some funky looking like garden beds that... Uh, You'd, you'd probably laugh at, but um, they work. So there. Hey, all, that's all they got to do is work. I, yeah. I laugh at nothing. It's like everybody thinks I have a bunch of raised beds in this pretty manicured garden area. I do not. <laughs> um, especially this year, that giant amaranth I grew. Yeah. Uh, all, all around it, there are waist high grass. Because mm. I couldn't, I couldn't really get around the amaranth to uh, keep it weeded, and uh, I just I'm like, yeah, whatever, I let it go. And now I have wild chickens. My, we didn't even talk about my wild chickens. What? Um, oh, they they nest in the grass there, so that that's where they're at. We just doubled our laying flock, and there, I I thought I had enough nesting boxes, and for the first couple days, I did. But I'm like looking around. I'm like, what? Why? I'm like missing almost half my eggs. What is going on? And I had to look around, and like they were laying in like the sagebrush. Like I've got um, just like straw thrown everywhere, and they like just started nesting in the in the sagebrush. I'm like, okay, that's kind of cool. Plus, I have twenty. What's that? I was gonna say I have twenty eight layers, and they all lay in the same nest box. <laughs> what? I have That's enough nest boxes for all of them that have their own, and they all lay in the same box. And I have one broody hen that likes to sit on them and fight you every time you try to get eggs. <laughs> That's really funny. It's a journey uh, every day. Every day. Uh, it's in the sagebrush. It kind of gives you a good excuse to stick your face in the sagebrush and um, take a big whiff because it smells amazing. I don't I've know never smelled it. It's all. I, sh I should just cut you a piece and send it to you, just so you can smell it. And uh, like, okay, I get it. I get it now. Um, but hey, let's uh, let's plug your stuff. And um, what's something? Is, is there anything that you wanna you wanna say before that we didn't cover? Um, no, I think we covered everything. The only thing we missed probably was my wild chickens and. Uh, with, with that said, if you got the ability to let one or two chickens run around free, let them run around free. They will keep, uh, they will keep pests eaten down like you would not know. They will, they will get into your vegetables. But uh, I haven't picked a tick off of my dogs in years, hmm. and uh, it, it's all it's all chickens. Chickens are amazing animals. Yes, yes, they are. I. Uh... I actually, since doubling the flock, I actually like them more than I had been 
like it because maybe because it's new like oh wow now i have so many um this is neat um because i was like oh whatever chickens this is fine but now i have like a new appreciation for them since doing something different with them i guess that they're always entertaining to watch yes yes they are the the animals are my wife's domain um the, the 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 plants are mine. I think it's kind of backwards to what it usually is, but I think I've heard that here and there. Uh, every once in a while, the the husband or man, I guess, whatever, uh, will will take on the garden versus. I don't know. It just depends. It's just whatever your interests are. Yeah. So you are. At Padre Homestead on Twitter and Smith-Homestead.com is your is your website. Yes. That's it. That's it. That's everything. Um so you can find my books on Amazon if you're anybody's interested. Uh and you know, I feel like there's another Joseph Smith that wrote a book. And uh, <laughs> it might be uh he started a whole new religion. So, uh, yeah, you you have to type in The Christian Heathen by okay. Joseph Smith or uh, Musings of a Modern Barbarian. Either one will pull it up. Yeah, if you search my name, you're going to get all kinds of stuff. <laughs> Good to know. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll make a note to uh, link, link that in the show notes. So, hey, man, um, appreciate you being here. Appreciate your time. And just... Finally, good to good to connect and hear more about your story. Yeah, absolutely was. Had fun, Matt. Yeah, me too. Thank you. Amazing interview with Joseph. Finally able to make this interview happen. Happy about that. His outward positivity is very contagious, and I feel like we only scratched the surface of his crazy path in life. Thanks for watching, everyone. Leave a comment, like, subscribe, and most importantly, share this video. Check out our website, farmhoplife.com. You can sign up for our email list or Telegram channel there to be notified when new videos, interviews, and podcasts are available. We are on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, MeWe, and Float. Send me a message at farmhoplife.com contact or email me directly, matt at farmhoplife.com. I'm always looking for new people to interview. If you want to come on to talk about homesteading, farming, food security, homeschooling, regenerative agriculture, alternative building methods, or anything else, send me a message, farmhoplife.com slash guest is where you can fill out that form oh and of course if you would like to come help you out at your farm homestead property whatever uh go to farmhoplife.com slash 20x23 and find out more about our 20 by 23 project it's pretty cool go feed yourself inside of the city the people are crazy out of their minds they ain't got a clue Headed west for Montana Left family and friends All I got now is you We both got new jobs A host and a homestead Thinking this was the life All that there'd be After our firstborn You had to stay home That's when the work got in the way for me well, I started Farm Hop Life. We'll come to your farm to help and to 
a truck and an RV. Send us a message and